Revolutionary Sports Front, Season 2, Episode 4. Happy Saturday, and what a Saturday it is. Huge, huge weekend of football. Tony Preston to my left, Jerry Preston to my right, and as always, Big Joe Papa Bear via Skype from Washington, and we are ready to rock. Uh, Absolutely gargantuan, you like that word? Gargantuan weekend of football, college and You mean gargantuan? Whatever. Word of the day fails you again. (laughs) It'll be a good show. <laughs> it's huge. Uh, college and pro. We're going to dive right into it. Bum, 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 bum. Uh, starting with the NFL, the Lions are coming off a huge Monday Night Football national TV game, a victory against the Giants. The Packers coming off a tough one against so the team. He just gets laid all the time. <laughs> uh, the Packers coming off a tough one against the team that the Lions are going to play tomorrow. Um, they got the Bengals coming up. So we're going to start with the two big dogs. Um, we're going to start with the Lions. Um, not your typical. If you would have told me that Stafford was going to throw for a buck twenty-two, and you would have told me all the things that were going to play out, I would have said for sure it would have been a Lions loss. But at the end of the day, it was a weird game, and it was another double-digit win to put the Lions at two and zero on a big stage against a team with uh, with some well, what used to be some pretty high profile and some pretty high potential. But they came up short and only scored one touchdown, and uh, let's talk about it. So the Lions win. What do you guys think? Who wants to start? I, I actually have a take that I've never taken on the Lions in my lifetime after this game, and this is the classic game that the Lions my whole lifetime would have lost, and you would have known it was in the same season. Stafford had a lot of talent, but the rest of the team doesn't. This was, this may have been the franchise-defining moment for the Lions, in my opinion. I, Whoa. This is, I, this is my hot take. You know, I don't like the Lions very much. It's mostly just because of my friends' attitudes towards them, but... This, I think, the Lions turned the corner. When Stafford threw that back shoulder fade to Marvin Jones, it reminded me of a la 2010, Aaron Rodgers to Jordy Nelson. And then he comes out, he gets strip sacked. The normal Lions would have crumbled in that moment, and the Giants would have gone down and scored, and then they would have never rallied on the road. However, we saw a lot of things out of the Lions that are really good. They were getting off the field on third and longs, which they normally don't. They give that one seam route to Evan Ingram, but he's a beast. That's you know, you one mental mistake. But the, this is the classic game the Lions lose, and they're 1-1, one and, one and you don't know what they are. I think – I've been ripping on Stafford for years, but he, I always forget how young he was when he came to the league. I think he finally is hitting his prime. I think this is it. Where do I start? Well, first of all, I want to congratulate you on your enlightenment. I want to congratulate you on that, and I appreciate it too. I can't wait to get this off my chest. <laughs> I got the Lions winning a playoff game for the first time since 1991 oh! this year. Oh no bullshit. God. I actually got them winning the NFC North too at this point. Wow. Gerard coming in hot. I've been thinking about this all week. I've been thinking about it a lot too, and I've been, I'm, uh, if you don't mind, I'd like to go second. Oh, yeah. You're fine. Okay. So uh, there's a number of angles you could take from this man, but uh, one of them is the Lions. It's just great to see them, A, go on the road and beat a team who they weren't supposed to beat. I mean, say what you want about the Giants, but a lot of people were picking against them nationally and even in this room. So it was nice to see them win on the road on national TV. It was also nice to see him play a balanced game. You know, they were, you know the running game besides a 34-yarder there by Abdullah wasn't there, but they were at least going to it. Some of it were some of it was wasted downs, but they were they were balanced. Like I said in the open Stafford only threw for 122, but those two touchdowns that he threw were very nice. They were getting first downs, they were executing. Um when they did have one hiccup with with the strip sack uh, you know, the very next play, we came back with a, a bad throw. I'll give it a bad throw by Eli, but a nice capitalized play to get a tip ball and then a pick by Whitehead. 
it was just it was just nice, man. It was nice to see Ziggy just matched up against someone and, and be like his old self and just dominate. The Lions actually controlled the line of scrimmage. And I just want to give a shout out first and foremost to the, the defensive coordinator, uh, Austin, for for making guys who aren't necessarily superstars besides Ziggy and what I think Davis will be as long as he's healthy. We'll get to that later. But making these guys look good schematically, man. He He's making dudes who are, again, sixes and sevens look like tens sometimes. Big play Slay looked really good. All around good football, capitalizing on, on both things. Special teams, man. If it was SOL, the same old Lions, that field goal probably wouldn't have went in, man. We got a really fortunate yeah, they won't bounce. Get that, punt return. that was a bomb. Yeah, you got a rookie. Again, a real another thing that I want to point out is the fact that you got rookies making plays, man. Davis with a sweet sack. Uh, the punt return by Agnew. He's a rookie out of San Diego. It's just it was just a great game to watch. It wasn't the prettiest game if you were just an outside observer, but as a Lions fan, just so many things were just Good. Like, it was just a good game. There's one thing I want to piggyback on that I got so excited for. I totally missed in my, I wanted to say, was the D-line capitalized. The Giants have a super weak offensive line. Eric Flowers might be the worst starting lineman in the league. And Eli Manning's not mobile. Like, Aaron Rodgers doesn't have a good line, but he, like, moves around. They get it working. Eli Manning can't do that. Their line's horrible. Last year, the Lions did not capitalize on weak offensive lines. Do I think the Lions defensive line is going to do that if they face a good offensive line let's say out of Dallas or maybe even the, we'll see what the Falcons this weekend's a little bit better offensive line but it's a 16 game season and you're probably gonna there's not a lot of good offensive lines in the league so if Lions can keep capitalizing on weak offensive lines they have a real shot at like 12 and 4 here yeah I mean I'm kind of surprised Jerry the king of you know don't overreact to the first couple weeks of the season like, oh, the Lions are going to win a playoff game. Well, to his to his fairness, uh, no, I just see that's something. an eighth. That's an eighth of the season they've played well. I mean, this isn't you know this isn't like hockey or, or basketball. Every game counts, and these are these are honestly the they, uh, a lot of people were saying the first three to four games were games that the Lions could easily go zero to three or one and three, or or you know maybe get come out of there with uh, you know two wins tops, and they already got two. They're two and zero. Oh. I'm not going to overreact. Jerry's actually reacting more over the top than I am. But I think it's a tremendous well, I just start. I want to get on this train early, so I'm not caught as like the late bus oh, jumper well, when they're I'm, eight and zero. Yeah, you're on you know the, I'm mean? on the train with you. I'm not rooting for them. Don't get me wrong. I'm on the train with I you. Just, I, I think they're going to win this week. Um, we'll get that to that back in a little bit. shoulder to Marvin Jones is reminiscent of things I've never seen the Lions do before. It was a third and long. I mean, yeah, Janoris Jenkins is out, but you took your shot, you called it, you got your touchdown, or even on that rollout with uh, Stafford hit Ebron right on the second touchdown. Yeah, Ebron was actually all over the place. That that's that classic, like Ebron. I'm just. I believe in the life cycle of a team. Last year, they had a bad beat. That reminds me of the Packers having the bad beat at the Falcons the year before they won the Super Bowl. You got to prime yourself year after year and get a little bit better each year. And then you, this is, since the Lions had that good defense with Sue, this is the best chance the Lions have of actually doing something, making some noise. And this Do point, I think they're going into New England and beating them? No, don't get me there. But well, we'll get there when we get there. But this, this point reminds me of Joe, and I want to pass it to him because he's the only one who hasn't said anything yet. But to to this point, Stafford. Uh, it, my, well, my point is physical conditioning. Stafford looks lean. He, he's, he looks strong, and um, he just looks focused, man. And the, as far as him looking more in shape, I just think that makes a huge difference, man. You got all these weapons that are spread out. You, I call them weapons. You can call them what you want. You got people spread out. You got people holding up the best they can. The offensive line's got you know Decker missing, but they've been holding up pretty well, to, to my surprise. And uh, and when when there's trouble. And Stafford, who can't find anybody open, 
He's making plays on his feet, man. I'm not calling him Michael Vick, but he's a, he could 12? be the white version. You know what I mean? Like he looks That's pretty Allah good, too, and I think it speaks to him uh, doing some hard work and strength and conditioning in the off season, and just uh, not letting that money get to his head, man. I think now he's settled and he's still going to be as, as focused as ever. And I'll kick it to you on that note, Joe. No, yeah, I think the Lions definitely look pretty good. Um, going into New York, I think we talked about last week though that New York is also not not where they should be. Uh, they're they're pretty far behind the the curveball here, so I, I, I just I just want to you know throw that warning to the wind, joke. you know. Joe's putting us in perspective. They they, uh, they, they beat a pretty shitty football team. Uh, <laughs> but with that being said, good good on the Lions though, man. I mean they Thank went on the road that, on Monday Night Football and, and and won a good good football game, and I I do agree with something Jerry said is the Lions in the past have won a great game like they did against Arizona, and then the next week they just like turn into a different team so i mean at least they're being consistent so uh good good win for the lions but hold your horse another point to another point to another point jerry said do i expect them to go to new england and beat them uh not yet do i expect them to go up against the falcons in perspective only time we'll see them is in the super bowl i'm I'm prepared to play devil's advocate in a second don't get me wrong yeah i was i I mean they, they got they got they got atlanta Tomorrow, I mean, Atlanta's a pretty good football team, and they improved their defense a lot in the offseason. Yeah, and Atlanta looked good against Green Bay last week. And that's what I'm saying. That's what I was going to say, but Joe kind of already said it, is that, yes, the Lions beat the Giants. But the Giants do not look like that great of a team this year. They lost to Dallas, who then lost this past week as well. So it's one of those, you know, how really good is the NFC no, East? No, the level of competition has been very far from even close to good that the Lions are playing. It's, they're playing bums out there, honestly. The Arizona sucks. They almost lost to the Colts. And the Giants will be lucky to go 4-12 and 12 this year, unless well, Eli turns it around. But with that being said, though, I mean, answer you can, me this. All though. you can do is go out there and handle your business. And the Lions, after a shaky first half of the first game, took the top off the Cardinals, which played a vaunted secondary. Yeah. And then against the Giants on the Aaron Rodgers says you want to win all your home games, go 8-0, and go 500 on the road. That's your goal. You finish 12-4, and you probably win your division. That's what teams are looking forward to going into the season. The fact of the matter is playing in New York when their season is pretty much on the line, that's a normal game the Lions lose. That's why I'm saying it's something different about this team. And I think Stafford is on the verge of stepping up from what I, I would just – Two tiers, and then you got the bums. In the well, you got basically three tiers in the bums of quarterbacks. Your top ones are your Rodgers, your Brady's. The next one is Matt Ryan, uh, Eli before this season, and Stafford. Stafford's on. He has a chance to jump from Group Two to Group One this year. Okay, well, no, I, I agree. And go ahead. Go the, ahead. the biggest thing is uh, w- with that, though. I, now, I think I think the Lions. I, I agree with you guys. I think the Lions are probably going to have a winning season this year. They'll be. They'll definitely be above five hundred, pending any major injuries. As with all teams, uh, but I think I think tomorrow is the true measuring stick. Tomorrow, tomorrow yeah. is hey, they're going up against the true Super Bowl contender, uh, a team that was there last year and, and had it had it you know minute, minutes away from winning the whole thing, um, and and has improved over the summer. They're they're going to go up against the true uh, what, what, do you, what do you call horses? Uh, Show the, horse? No, like the like a like a race horse. Yeah, they're they're going up against a, a, a real runner I don't know. Hold on, I don't know. I don't know if I'd call him a thoroughbred. I mean, but anyway, let, let me just back up one second to the point that Jerry made. Well, everyone before the season going in, there's always preseason talk and preseason hype. 
everyone was talking about how difficult the schedule was going to be, especially at the beginning quarter. And a lot of that is what I just said it is. It's all talk until you, you, you don't know who you're going to play until you play them. Okay, I heard a lot of good things about Arizona. We went out there and stomped them, and then they're bums. And, yeah, some of that is true. I heard a lot of good things I about the Giants. I bums before the game. Oh, hold on. A lot of good things about the Giants, and now, and now we play them on national TV at their home, home field, and we beat them, and, and, again, now they're bums. So we'll go into Atlanta and answer me this. Who, Atlanta's a prime example. Who, I mean, not even New England because they're home opener. Who's necessarily looked Great through two games. Oakland's um, look super good. The Broncos have looked super good. Okay, those are AFC teams too. So there you go. Are we going NFC teams. only? I'm just saying. Atlanta had a, a tough game in the first opener, and I said they're going to bounce back. They play Green Bay, and they and they they beat them like I predicted. But I'm just saying you don't know who's who until you play them. So I don't think we should. I, I understand keeping everybody within if you reason. Think that that Giants team that was on the field was a good team. Then I don't. We're not. No, I'm just saying. I'm not trying we to played do Lions, them. We played them. Like I'm not trying to get on my knees and say, like suck them off or anything. I'm just saying they look really good to me, but their competition level. People, can I meet you in the middle? They're one of very. I'm trying very, to meet you in the same place, but okay, I'll just say this and you go ahead. They're one of very, very few teams in the NFL, all 32 teams, after two weeks, who have played two complete games and are 2-0. and They're one of very few teams. They haven't played two complete games. They've played one and a half complete games. Well, the games are complete is what I mean. Oh, the games they are won. I mean, yeah. When it's all said and done. The thing is, last year when we were doing this and Frank was all in the Lions and we got into some heated arguments, I saw that the Lions weren't a true contender. When they were winning games and having fourth quarter comebacks, they were getting lucky. Like, Dustin Hopkins missing a field few field goals for the Redskins and then them not playing any defense as their cousin, Cousins run one in. Like, I knew for a fact that when they played good teams in the end of the season, they are going to beat. I think this team can compete with anybody in the league. Anybody, really. And I think, I hate when people say every some of the first eight games for the Lions, if they can escape four and four, they're going to be fine. I don't, the, Eli Manning looks like shit right now and so does Carson Palmer. It's a QB league. But people say that preseason, now it gives Lions fans too much hope. I want to give them hope for a different reason. It has well, nothing to do with their Carson opponent. Carson Palmer actually looked good this last week, but that was against Dude, they were down 13-7 against the Colts, dude. I know, I'm just saying. Okay, if you want to talk about consistency or playing complete games, again, we've mentioned Stafford about a number of times already, and we're, already, we're not even nearly started in the show. But besides that first throw of the entire season, you know he's got what six seven touchdowns. No, he's, got, he's six to one. He's got six, six to one touchdowns. touchdown interceptions. I was going to bring a that bunch up. Of yards. He's also tied with Rodgers and Brady for uh, shortest odds to win the MVP right now at five to one. So I agree to Joe's point. I totally, hundred percent agree with his point that tomorrow's game at home, coming off a national TV Monday Night Football win, coming off two and zero, that is that crowd is going to be electric. They're playing a team that was just in the Super Bowl despite their epic collapse. It's going to be a showdown, man. And that is, if they win that, I'm going to be even further. I'll be close to what Jerry See, was saying at the beginning of the segment. But right now, I'm just focused on them, I and think, I think we got a hell of a shot. I think no matter what happens tomorrow, the first two games have spoken more for them. Unless Stafford goes out there and is 0 for touchdowns with four picks, the Falcons are 2-0 right now. They didn't look that good on the road week one. They got their two wins. Vic Beasley's heard they got they're a little dinged up. I think their right tackle went on the Packers game. This game doesn't necessarily mean that much to them. And if it wasn't for a couple Packers stupid mistakes, like the pick right before halftime that lets you a touchdown and a fumble six coming out of halftime, that game could have been they didn't look that good in the second half of that game. And look what they did. They say history repeats itself. I know they've changed a lot of what they did with their offensive coordinator and all the stuff that, that uh, was their demise in the Super Bowl. But look what happened in that Packers game. I know the Packers lost, but it started off 
it looked like they could have scored a hundred more. And look what happened at the end. It looked like I mean they started driving on them, and they kind of they kind of faded away a little bit and almost blew it. Not almost blew it, but it was. I mean they dwindled. If the Lions lose or if they win tomorrow, it doesn't change what I. I don't think this game means as much as the last game did. And I know you're going to say Atlanta's a better team than the Giants, so it does mean mean more. But going on the road is harder than playing a team at home. Like I don't think Atlanta's necessarily going to be hyped up for this game. I, I disagree, but we can agree to disagree. I, think I, I, I don't think I don't there's know. any wrong answer. They're, there's they no wrong answer. probably will be, but there's a chance they're just on the road. You know, in Detroit, they don't give a shit. They're two and one. They already beat the Packers. They feel like this game's almost. I if, think they give a to shit. To start three and zero, is running the back. I completely, I completely disagree with all of that. Every yeah. game means something yeah, because, like Frank said earlier, it's not like the NHL or NBA where they play eighty games. They play sixteen, man, and that, this is this is your home field advantage every week. For the playoffs. And think yeah, about no, it. You know I, that you think that, that's, you think that Super Bowl doesn't linger with them? Every game counts. Man, they were they looked good last year. Yeah, that was their year to win. To look at it, and they're a team that's they not. They haven't played a division game yet. So you got those six division games left. Those are the ones you really need to win. You're going to lose a couple. All I'm saying is if, if they lose the Lions tomorrow, they're not going to hang their heads on the way back to Atlanta. They're going to be looking forward. I think they will hang their heads. I'm just I see where you're going with it, and I like your rationale, like the idea of your if rationale. If this game was in Atlanta, it would mean the world. I just think that you're a little out of touch with the fact that they're they're coming off a, one of the most embarrassing Super Bowl losses in recent, the most mem- in recent memory, if not ever. And they're playing – t- I mean, they had a shitty start. They beat the Packers, and they're coming to play a team that they know can bang now. I think that a lot is on the line. I mean, you can't help if you're on the road or you're not. And like Joe said, every game matters. Like I said, we can agree to disagree – I like the rationale, but I think this is a tr- All big saying, game for both teams, and it, it's going to show who's got the sack. Eleven five. Besides wins. one season is going to get you in the playoffs, so it's basically winning two and losing one the entire season. And you have to tack right. on one. But teams don't go in the locker room and say, "Hey guys, you know this one here." Every no, week's no. a new beginning. They don't say, "Hey, if we lose this one, we'll be all right." It's be like no, thirteen like and three. No, like I said in advance, the NFL teams. Rogers said it. I don't know if every team has this mantra, but it's eight zero at home, and then four and four on the road. But that's in general. Like yeah. He's saying that. I mean, after. obviously, going in, they're going to go it's in. A, yeah, it's a, it's a it's a safe rule to live by. But dude, I mean, every game they, they know. They know who's I'm going not up saying that. Like, no one try. argues they're that Stafford is. Try. No one's I'm arguing just... that Stafford isn't a good quarterback or anything like that. But and and so here's the thing: Atlanta's going to look at Detroit and say, "Hey, listen, they have weapons. They have a they have the quarterback. They have a, they have a decent defense now. They have a psycho. Like, we, we, we need we need to get ready to go and, and play a football game, man. Because if we don't, we're going to get embarrassed." On national television in Detroit, yep. Like no, no team wants that. No team's gonna, and no team's not gonna hang their head after that. After getting absolutely embarrassed on TV and, and, and just getting run out of Detroit, man. No, no one wants to go do that. I'm not saying Atlanta's, like Atlanta's gonna get ready, yeah. and Atlanta's got a good football team. This is a big measuring stick. If they for, hang, for Detroit, if they hang around Atlanta like 41 to seven, yeah, that means something. But I'm saying if it's a 17 to 14 game, it doesn't show me any more than I already know about either team. I think that would make it worse. If the Lions go down and win 21-10 at the Saints in Week 6, that's something to write home about. You know what okay, I'm saying? Okay, well, let's just do this thing because we, ba- we can go back and forth so the sun goes down on this, but let's, let's just do this. How does it play out? I'll start. I think it's going to be somewhat of a shootout. The Lions' defense has looked good. They got the coach to make them look even better. However, Atlanta's got a hot offense. They got Julio Jones. Lions got their weapons. We don't have to name them. And it's going to be a little bit of a shootout. I think it'll be a contained shootout. I'm not talking in the 40s apiece, but I'm thinking the Lions are going to play hard. Atlanta's going to come ready to play, but I think the Lions will be more complete. I think they'll get some lucky breaks being at the home uh, the home team. And I think that we're looking at a Lions 34-24 to 24 win. Who's next? All right. I mean, I don't think it's going to be that easy for the Lions. I think the Falcons I didn't beat, say it'd be easy. I mean, the Falcons beat Green Bay last week. 
and they looked really good beating Green Bay. Right. You can't deny in that. In the beginning. Okay, Green Bay. You can roll your eyes, make a point. I'm just, I'm I, just saying Green Bay is a very good team. Okay. We know this. We're we'll pretty good. That later. We're pretty good, too. And so I think that Atlanta will come out, and I think the Lions offense will be able to keep it close. But, I mean, Jared Davis is out with a concussion. Who said he's out? Do we know that for a fact? Okay, doubtful, whatever. He's out. I didn't know that. I was asking. I think they listed him as doubtful yesterday. Yeah, Tony, so. watch your reaction there. Man. That was a long Jeez, call. Man, I, actually, I, I was wondering, too. And getting I combative. Like I mean, man. We didn't cover that. I, I didn't know. Probably voted for Trump. That's disappointing if that's true. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying is we're missing our middle linebacker who played great for us in the first two games of the season, which is part of the reason the defenses looked good. I mean, yeah. Right. Slay is a great corner, but I don't think he can cover Julio. He showed that last year. He can cover almost any number one receiver except for the top like five number one receivers. We'll burn him every time. That's a fair point, but also to your point, I I think that uh you know middle linebacker in this type of game, uh, I don't. I mean, I know they got they have a decent running game. Atlanta does. They got some guy, two guys that can run the ball, but I don't think that the middle linebacker necessarily in this type of game is going to be the end all be all. I know it's a big hit, and he's he has played very good. I don't think it's going to be the end all be all. But you do make a good point with Slay, even though he made some tremendous plays last week to end the game and kind of seal the deal. They didn't have a hundred percent OBJ, and it's a different animal when it comes to Atlanta versus New York. That's a fair point. Yeah. So, so I think it's gonna. I think the Lions will be able to keep it close because their offenses look so good. But I just think if it comes down to it late in the game, Matt Ryan's got the ball to drive down the field for a game-winning touchdown or field goal. I think Atlanta will get it done. But will it? Are you presenting a question or are you making a, a prediction? There? I'm making a statement that I think Atlanta will get it done if it came down to On that. On a last? Oh, okay. All right. I don't know what that means. Did you make what, a, what's, the, what's the score going to be? I'm going to say 24-21 Atlanta. Okay. Out in Seattle, Joe. Why don't you move to Chicago? I'm taking uh, I'm taking Atlanta 35 to 20. Whoa, that's a big one. Wow. Okay. I actually didn't think about this pick till just now. 35 to 20. I just think of the way the world works more sometimes because I think this is uh, I think this is a pick 'em. I think it's a 50-50. And honestly, if I was betting, I would bet on the Lions because they're getting three points and they're at home. I always take a home dog in these situations. I think the teams are actually stack up pretty equal. But I think because I how has. Nothing to do with football, so it's a stupid way to make my prediction, but I see Atlanta winning this game 24 to 17 and a huge overreaction from money uh Lions fan on Monday morning, not realizing that they just had a tough stretch with really physical guys. They have some people out. Atlanta just has a little more experience in these situations. But I could like I said, if I was gonna put money on it, I would take the Lions. But just the way the storylines play out in the world, sometimes you gotta just roll with what you've seen in the past. Okay. That's that's fair. I'm I'm the minority. Which I here. am I am I'm Seesaw. And that's my bad. But Yeah, that was a hell of a lot of double talk. I, it was, I'm not I, I, quite sure. I'm willing to admit it, which I don't know if it makes it better or worse, but that's I really doing the same thing. It's doing the same thing. Yeah. But I, I I guess I'm it, sorry guys. I'm in the I'm, sorry, I'm in the minority. Nation. I'm in the minority, but I honestly think it's gonna be a, a little bit a little bit of a surprise and, and a good one, man. I think that uh I think it's gonna be a good surprise for Lions fans and myself very Fuck, much. Give included. me the Lions twenty four to seventeen. Okay. All right. This guy sees on his way from Washington. <laughs> but, um, okay, you know, uh, nothing more to say. We kind of – I really liked that dialogue. That was really good. Um, I think we all made some pretty 
Great point. Yeah, I'm not trying to blow smoke either. I really do think Stafford might no, have it's finally interesting. turned that corner. It's interesting, man. Uh, it really is. Lions, we talked about this before the season even started, about the Lions, how they're this perplexing team. And now that this has played out the way it has in these first two weeks, especially with this game coming up tomorrow, uh, it just makes it even that more interesting, I think. Yeah, like the Giants were pretty much the same team you played last year, except you didn't give up another touchdown to them. The only difference is you were scoring more. Did yeah, you catch didn't... the Caldwell quote, or did you guys hear that? No, I really don't care what that man has well, to say. He, he, well, he's he just about said, to get fired. He just said, I don't think so at all. Well, I mean, this is a topic made for another day, up, but uh, JBC, if Dude. somebody doesn't pick up uh, Junior Bacon Cheeseburger, Cooter, he's going to get a head coaching job, so you might have to do what they Austin did might too, but I was going to give you the quote. The quote was basically was they played the Giants last year and it was seventeen to six and afterwards he was like yeah man they had some uh, big strong tough guys but uh, this time this time we do and that's why we won so call, I mean, he called yeah, that call that Giants PR. are not the same the Giants are pretty much not the same team as last year but they, they put suck. all that money in I mean they should be better but I I agree should I agree should yeah except for the no OBJ offensive line man. no offensive line Eli sucks right now not the same team. And they played him a lot later. Eli turns it on about midway. No, Janoris Jenkins. Okay, I, I'm not here to comment about the past. To quote a famous, I'm, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Like, we're I know, throw I see, stuff like I that. Like, see, oh, pretty much the same thing. Like, like, no, no dude, I see blow. what Joe like, was saying. Like, I, nobody. I'm only hyping him up because I think I see something differently, specifically in how they're running their offense and how they're not getting tricked. At, like, they're getting off the field on third and longs more than they did last year. And Stafford looks really good. That's why I believe in him. No, it has nothing to do with their competition. I understand, but I mean, I just wanted to have one rebuttal, just because I have to defend the, the Lions. Joe makes the point about no Jenkins. I'll make the point about no Decker, and I don't know how we got through all this dialogue without letting uh, with letting Robinson off. the Yeah, no, I didn't want to. So uh, if if they don't have if they don't have Jenkins, we didn't have Decker, and Robinson's fat ass had about seven penalties. You do in your Cheerios. Uh, Robinson is a liability, and I hope when I think Decker's supposed to come back week six. He shouldn't even wear blue; he should wear yellow. Yeah, I mean. He is an absolute liability, but the wrestler line isn't. Unlike so just, the other team we're going to talk that's about, all I wanted the Packers. To say. That's all I wanted to say. They also wear yellow, don't they? And I, I am truly disappointed in what I saw out of the Packers last week because I think they – first of all, I want to start by saying I think when teams play each other, they go in a little bit of life cycles as well. Like the Seahawks used to have the Packers number. Now the Packers got the Seahawks number. That's flip-flop. The Packers used the Falcons number. Now the Falcons got the Packers number. There was a time where Stafford was making the game between the Lions and Packers closer, but last season Packers turned it around. They got them big both times last year. What I'm saying is the Falcons have the Packers number now, number one, and number two, the Packers puckered last week. I mean, I'm not going to go to the shed like Frank said last year, <laughs> but they they got a problem with their conditioning program. They got guys pulling hammies left and right, and now their injury list is like pretty much all their all pros. You know what I mean? Nick Perry, out. Bakhtiari, the best off, the only good offense line they have, out. Fucking Randall Cobb, doubtful, so out. Fucking Mike Daniels, the best defensive lineman, out. I think uh, Kentrell Bryce, their nickels, uh, he's a safety, but he comes in and plays them in the dime packages, out. You know what I'm saying? Correct me if I'm wrong, and I, I, I don't know nearly as much about the Packers as you do, obviously. I don't study them, so don't call me out or anything too bad. I'm just making a general statement, and this is to A, credit uh, your boy Aaron Rodgers, but also to kind of to kind of rip on him a little bit, but not too bad. So, I just think that the last few years, man, like okay, the uh, the Packers are always in that talk. They're always in that talk. They won their last Super Bowl in 2010. That was their year. But since then, man, like they've had you know they have talent at, at wide out. They have ta- uh, they had lack of defense last year. But here's my thing: um, you can take it away because I don't have much to say on this segment. I really don't because I'm not a nista about the Packers, but. Aaron Rodgers just makes all these dudes 
look great, better than they are. He's carrying the freaking team, man. He's got that ego, but it's for a reason. And I just don't think that if you're looking long-term Super Bowl, which is what a lot of people picked, which I found out earlier in the season. <laughs> I found out earlier. I found out that they're a big so pick. he just gets laid all the time from hot chicks. <laughs> so I just think that it's going to be the same story when it's all said and done, and they'll have some flashes of greatness. They'll have a, a bunch of wins, probably more than nine. I just don't think that without more help or something else, dramatic change or some luck or something, man, that Rodgers can just carry no, a team. No, no. That's, that's all I'm going to say. No, I think the Packers, ever since I lost in Seattle, has been ending the season on moral victories at the time I liked, but looking back, I didn't. All right, so you had, they lost to the Seahawks. And that was their year. They probably would have beat the Patriots. That's where they got their second one. They never should have given up all those points. And then Rodgers drives them down, get the field goal. And what happens? Fucking, they let the Seahawks come down and score a touchdown. So... This was my greater point. After that season, so the next year they go into the, they beat the Redskins, and then I think they get beat at Cardinals. After Rodgers, mind you, throws two Hail Marys on one drive. What does their defense come out and do? Let's literally Fitzgerald rip off like a 70-yarder down to the five-yard line, right? But the moral victory was they were barely getting into the playoffs. Like, they made it, and they went out to the Redskins as a wild card, and they stomped Kirk Cousins. The narrative continues. Yeah, so like that was their big victory. Like, they had a really rough up-and-down season. And but they got their playoff win, and then Rodgers hit the Hail Marys. Like he hit the one against Richard Rodgers, but their offense looked a little stagnant then. You don't got to tell me about Rodgers and Hail Marys, okay? All right. So then next next season comes. They're four and six. Rodgers like, yeah, but we could win them all. And what does he do? He starts ripping off wins. But like I made the point last year, it was when they were playing weaker offenses. So Rodgers, because they have some super slow starts, and that's a point for maybe another day if they have another slow start this week against the Bungles. But um. So then their moral victory is they win all these games, and then they win their first. They beat the shit out of the Giants at home. They look great. Rodgers hits a Hail Mary in that one. And then what does he come back and do? Makes a miraculous play after being up 21-0 on the Cowboys to Jared Cook. Then Crosby freaking fades one through the crossbar, and it's like they beat the number one seeded Cowboys. They got stomped by him earlier in the season, yada, yada, yada. Like, let's see what happens in the NFC Championship. I was reading some of the hype by accident because I was trying to look at stuff for this year's Super Bowl. Uh, predictions, and it was actually reading last year's. They were talking about the Atlanta Packers game, and most people were picking the Packers in Atlanta last year. But what happened? They were down thirty-one to seven or thirty-one to three in the first half, and it's like, oh yeah, well we still had a good year because we beat the Cowboys. It's like that's cool. And then the off season, they said the right things. They said, oh, we're sick of not winning it. It's getting a little sick around here. We don't have that ring. Only Rogers has that ring. We all want to get another one for our man. We want to get another one for Title Town. And what happens? They pucker. They puckered on Sunday, and I'm sick of it, man. They didn't. They went out there with a fucking franchise quarterback, the most talented probably to ever do it. He is, won't be the best all time because he's not going to get up there with the Super Bowls with Brady and Montana. But they puckered, man. They didn't start their two left tackles. Uh, Nelson pulls up on a hammy. He's sitting on the sideline. Cobb ribs or some shit. He's sitting on the sideline. Mike Daniels, one play, hip flexor. He's sitting on the sideline. They're playing this cautious injury game. And I understand in the league now they care more about injuries, letting the guys sit. But these guys don't care as much as they used to on the Packers, and it's killing me, honestly. They start off slow. They got their touchdown. They got to stop. They should have gone down and scored. But I don't know. Joe, you were talking about the injury thing. It just seems like they're waiting for this rainy day, like counting on Rodgers, carrying them to the playoffs. And then they'll have their team healthy and ready to go when they should. It's almost like they don't care about the regular season anymore, and they're not in that position. Like, the Patriots are the only team, in my opinion, that can get blown out by the Chiefs, and I'm not concerned about them at all. I'm concerned about my Packers. It's just, it's just like, odd. Like, look at the injury list, man. In one game. And uh, I don't know. It, 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 it's something in the conditioning. It's something uh, they're doing in the offseason. Um, I mean, personally, if it, if it was me running the team over there, uh, I, would, I would go to the strength staff and, and give them the old WTF. Be like, what, what's wrong with my players? 
I mean, why why are they why are they getting injured? Uh, taking three steps, making a cut, hadn't been touched, and now he's limping off the field. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, man. Uh, it fucking, it that, sucks, it, and, and you don't. And it's not just it's not just the Packers. Every team gets a, a bunch of injuries. It's, it's it's professional football for Christ's sakes. But in week two, the injury list is a little bit obnoxious. And I think every other team is probably doing yeah, so, okay right now. I mean, the Lions are missing Deckers, and that's it. Once they, I mean, he's a great player. So once they get him back, they'll probably be uh, the, the offensive line will start like really up, be up and running. But I mean, that's like one guy. You know what I'm saying? Like they have that dude who's a liability, but it's one liability. The Packers got five that's liabilities a, that's on the line right now. a hundred million dollar so, liability right there. Yeah, but I mean, <laughs> like, about left tackle. You're not starting brother. either one of your left tackles. Then you're like, the one who called them a liability. That's what you're no, that's what I'm. No, that's what I'm saying. Stafford's yeah. your franchise player. Left tackle is pretty important. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. But uh, so, so I mean, it's just it's just one like versus five. And, you, and you talk about Rodgers, like who's who's you know. I guess I, I mean they're kind of deep at receiver. I mean it's it's not really. It's all Rodgers, man. Yeah, but I mean, but, speaking of the Packers' injuries, I pulled out the Packers' injury list, and they have seven players listed as doubtful. None of them have participated in practice this week. And when you look at this list, it's Bakhtiari, Kendall Bryce, who's a safety. Yeah, Randall, Randall Cobb, Cobb, Mike Daniels, Devon House, Devon House, Nick Perry, and Jake Ryan. You have to pull it up, man. That's what I was going to get to, man. I'm saying these guys, I don't think they and care, then, man. And then you have Jordy Nelson, who's questionable, but has been a full participant in practice all week. And, and then, Brian Bulaga is questionable too. Yeah, and he was the limited participant the last two days. Yeah, so, I mean, I mean, you're looking at these injuries and you're like, okay, what? What I'm saying? What are they? What can they do? Because we saw what happened last year. Year, they got hurt. They had players get hurt, and they were somehow able to keep it going. But then it becomes a question of how long can they keep it going this year with all these injuries starting the, to pile up again. The good news again. is, I mean, the bad news is A.J. Green's probably going to have 300 yards against the Packers. The good news is they got the Bengals, so they should be able to put up some points. But if you look at it, man, it's... it's You know how I was talking about the Falcons might not care about this game that much? I don't think the Packers cared at all about that Atlanta game. I really don't think they did. I think they said, if you guys are dinged up at all, sit out. We're going to go out there. Like, who cares? It's week two of the season. Yeah, week two, we got, take it like, easy. They have the wrong mantra. They're not going out there like every week's the championship. They have their plan and they think it's the best. And they got to quit getting off these slow starts, man. It's just, like, look at when they have a fast start. They beat Dallas in Dallas in the fucking division round of the playoffs. I think you, you, that might be a little bit over. They put up that, 35 in the Giants. You're, I just, you're emotional. You're emotional. I'm just saying... They mix, they're cooking with some passes. Then on first down, they run a run. It's second and nine. McCarthy thinks, oh, they're automatically assume a pass. We'll go with a run. That auto, that he was just throwing a toy. Nobody got no dogs got hurt in the making of that clip. But um, sound bite. What are you talking about? Uh, yeah. So it's just, I don't know. I'm disappointed in them. I don't think they're not going to make the playoffs. I think they're gonna, probably going to be the wild card. I think they're going to finish about ten and six. Yeah, I, I think they can beat the Bengals. I mean, and if the Vikings hadn't lost Sam Bradford, I thought the Vikings looked really good. But it looks like Bradford's probably just like gonna sit around the rest of the season and not play. So they're kind of fucking. Because I mean, when you look at the Bengals, Creek, all you got to do is guard AJ Green, dude. It was a third and twelve, and Julio caught like a five yard drag, and everybody. That's another thing. Like the news coming out of the Packers is like we're pissed. We need to do better. It was like 
Kevin King showed up pretty well because he had one swat on like a fade that went to Julio. Where was he on the fucking seven-yard drag that he took for 15 yards to get that first down? That was a huge amount of mental play in the game. And then their fucking run defense is a sieve. It's just fucking so disappointing. And maybe I care more because Matt Ryan was my fantasy quarterback. So the only chance I had to come back was him scoring touchdowns. And I was playing Devontae Freeman. He got them all. But I was, I'm pissed off as a Packers fan. And their little, I mean, Aaron Rodgers' lax was cool when I thought their team was better. But their team is getting older and the talent's going down. And all they have left is Rodgers. And I'm, I'm sick of it, dude. So I was fair in my... my I wasn't being mean. Oh, no, you're 100% right. Fair. The Packers without Aaron Rodgers, I don't, that one year they didn't win, they tied one game and that ended up with their divisional win. They went 8 7 and 1. Because I'll tell you what, if, I, if I'm noticing it and I don't study the team and you just obviously went off for obviously about seven minutes. Yeah, I'm and, sorry uh, I'm talking no, about No, no, it's just, okay. It's okay. It's part of the segment. I'm just saying, if, you, if I know it as a general statement, it's definitely true. I'm not happy for Lions fans that I think the Lions are good. I'm happy for the players on the Lions because I actually do. I think Galladay's a good kid. Stafford rocked a state hat to a Michigan-Michigan State game, so he's my dog. He went to the Final Four. I'm happy for the Lions. I'm not happy for myself because i got to put up with it from Lion fan. But as a Packers fan, I'm as concerned as the Lions fans should have been last year at this time. All right. Tremendous. Well, we well, there's no all right. We've got to make a pick. So tell me before I make my pick, I'll go. But who did the Bengals play week one? They got shut out by the Baltimore Ravens. That's right. They looked bad. Okay. Yep. I, and I just... Like, <laughs> and then they beat. No, not, not only that, they were down 17-7. to 7. The game was pretty much already over. Then they were driving there on the 15, and they threw, like, the worst pass in the world, and the guy just, like, fumbled, and there was no effort. I'll tell you what. If, if the Packers lose to this Bengals team, then I will, uh, I'll back up your little soliloquy you just went on about bashing them, but I just can't see them losing this game. Uh, is it at Lambeau? Yeah, I believe so. Okay, it's at Lambeau. I can't see them losing this game. Again, this is from the outside perspective. It's very in general, if you will, but uh, I just can't see them losing. I think they're going to they're gonna score some points. Maybe the Bengals, they do got A.J. Green, so I'm just going to give them some credit. I'm going to say like a, a 31-17 to 17 win. Yeah, but the all they have is A.J. Green. 31-17 Packers, Tony. Now it's your turn. I mean, the spread's seven and a half points in favor of Green Bay. They'll cover it. I don't know if they'll cover it, but I definitely think Green Bay will win. I don't think the Bengals can hang with them. Because as I was saying, like they have A.J. Green, but Tyler Eifert, who's their number two receiving option, is out. So And then becomes, okay, well, who's going to catch the ball besides A.J. Green? That's why I said all you got to do on defense is pretty much cover A.J. Green. They still got my cousin. Which is a lot easier said than done. Bernard? Gio? Gio? Yeah. They still got Giovanni? But pretty much in according to all his running backs, they let their offensive line go to shit. Yeah. Yeah, their their top their top guard went to Cleveland. Okay, so Tony, what's the score? Uh, I'd say probably about like uh forty two thirty-five in favor of Green Bay. Jesus. Wait, what'd you say? I'm sorry. Forty two to thirty five? Yeah. I don't wow. think either defense is gonna be that good. Wow, I think that's wrong. Tina but... just put up nine points on Thursday night football is going out there. Well, the Bengals do have the advantage of the longer week, but I just the Packers, I mean, if they lose this game, my concern level goes from like a That's what I was saying. Seven out of ten to a nine out of ten. Straight up I mean, that's just fact of the matter. And the fucking sad thing is they're probably gonna be out there again. The only thing the Bengals would have going for him is they have a couple good ends they can get to the passer and Rogers gonna be scrambling for his life again. Like he doesn't get a pocket, man. I understand that it's harder to block and the call is holding, but like the only time he gets a pocket, he's making good passes, you know? And, like, he does hold it too long. They don't really get rid of it as much, and he has gotten a little too addicted to the run-around making plays. It's better late in the game when the D-line's tired, but he, if they can give him a pocket, this game should be 42-10, to 10, Packers. This should be a fucking, like, when they had Rodgers through for six touchdowns in the first half against the Bears, honestly. But 
It's not because they're gonna start off slow and they're gonna get to Rogers. But Gerard I can't imagine today. the. It's gonna be like twenty four ten. AJ Green is gonna get his. He's probably gonna have like an eighty yarder, but they're gonna be able to contain. They're probably just gonna triple cover him. Honestly, okay. It's like back in the day, you know, when the Packers played and they had Calvin Johnson, they just would run like Sam Shields underneath and a safety over the top, and it worked pretty good. You know what I mean? It's like what happened to that defense? Don't get me started. Oh, my God. Dom Caber should have been gone a long time ago. That's enough, Gerard. I'm sorry, but I got the Packers winning by 14, 24-10. Jerry, go get a Diet Coke. Yeah. I wish I had one. I'm fucking some, parched. Maybe some bourbon. <laughs> but I'm not just going to go into the shed and put a bullet in my brain like what you're saying. I'm not going to do it. Joe, so what's going on out there? Yet. What do you think? I'm not doing it yet. You mean his wife? I'm picking, uh, <laughs> I'm picking oh, Green Bay God. 28. Bengals, 17. So the Pack are going to take it down at Lambeau. It's a, it's a unanimous yeah. decision. Down with the gavel. Yeah. Okay. Cincinnati's just God, don't terrible. let us be wrong. What do you say we take 30 seconds for station identification? Yeah, I need to go get something to drink. And we'll go to college football. I love We're not y'all. done, people. We got Notre Dame playing MSU. And we got Michigan with a surprising Notre test. Notre Dame? At- More like Notre Lame. Am I right? <laughs> no. But... <laughs> Um, and also Michigan with a surprising test coming up at four o'clock in just a few hours here on RSF. All right, we're back. So we covered the NFL. That was exciting dialogue. I can't wait for tomorrow, but before tomorrow is today. And, uh, amazing. Right. Can you You have a strong grass on the Ivies? Don't you today? Imagine that. No, seriously though. So not much going on at noon. I know there's some ranked games, but today we're going to focus on, uh, our teams, the big three. Obviously, we're going to start with one. We're going to go in order. So we'll go with Michigan. Uh, they're going to go in. That was just a little joke. But we're going to start with Michigan. They're playing Purdue. Michigan's the best of three right now. Like, I'm real recognize real. Real recognize real. So We're to your mother. <laughs> I believe, and I think that the panel will agree with me, that the, this is going to be a, kind of a little bit of a surprise test. Purdue's getting some, some hype that they haven't had in a little, a little while. And Michigan's under some scrutiny. You know, he had the close game. With Air Force, we actually dropped in the rankings. We're actually at eight now. Um, one, not me, but one might make the argument that we're the worst of the top ten teams. Um, you know, we haven't looked great. Spate, we've talked about it for two weeks now. This will be three. Quarterback's definitely an issue. Um, offense has been tough. You know, the front looks good. But it's going to be a game at 4 o'clock against Purdue on the road, and we should win. It could be just smoke in the air, but... It's a real topic. People are, you know, questioning Michigan. So let's rap about it. I, I think that we are fine, but it, I do have my concerns, but I, I won't start. So I'll let somebody else. When it comes to the Michigan, what I'm seeing right now, I would say that what happened was week one, they blew up Florida and everybody got on the Michigan bandwagon. We're going to be sick. Like, it's awesome. Get those two big sixes under control. And you know what happens next? They got a little, they got a little come up and Cincinnati it was a little bit closer. And then like last week I said, Blowing out an Air Force is almost impossible. Yeah, the red zone offense looked weak, and I think it's a horrible indicator. But overall, for season health, you got your win. You're 3-0. You're on it. You're still in the top 10. All your goals are still in front of you. So what has happened is the overcorrection by the media. All the people who were talking about how good Michigan was and how fast their defense was. All the people that said that an SEC-style defense. After they've given up a couple long plays to a couple 
uh, subpar teams, they got to overcorrect themselves, and now they got to hit the panic button. So you don't remember that three weeks ago they were saying this Michigan team's dominant, best defense in the country. I don't know That's, if anyone was saying that. but I, the, the radio callers were calling in and saying that, and like that was the well, hype out of them at Michigan. Yeah, I, mean, I heard them compared to an SEC defense. We on the show, if you remember, weren't no, saying no, that. No, no, no. I agree with that, and that's why our show is better than their shows. But what I'm saying is this is the classic. Purdue's had a couple good games. They almost beat Louisville. Their running attack looks better, but there's still a reason why they call them Purdue. And there's still a reason why I got a fuck Purdue t-shirt somewhere in my closet. All right? Like, Michigan's going to go in there. They're going to run the ball because they're on the road. They're not going to give Spade the chance to make some mistakes. And I think Michigan's going to easily handle business. And everybody come Monday is going to be, oh, it was just early season, this, early season, that. And they're going to be rolling. Well, also, I mean, with Purdue, their strength this year is their offense. And Michigan's strength is their defense. So I think it's going to – and Michigan's favored by 10.5 points for a reason. Their defense will probably stop Purdue's offense enough. And Purdue's defense won't be able to stop Michigan. Michigan will just run the ball on them, score. Spate probably won't have to do that much work. uh, And therefore, we won't run into those issues with pick sixes and stuff. And – like Jerry said, Michigan runs away with it and wins big, and then everybody's back on the Michigan hype train again. Right. I, I think, despite what I said, what I said in the beginning of the segment was what the, the temperature of the media is looking like and what a lot of the national narrative is looking like as far as Purdue putting up a threat. In reality, I agree with Jerry and Tony, and um, I just think that Michigan will come out. You might see a couple of early scares, but just like in the beginning games, uh, I think that Michigan will... Just respond earlier than late, maybe second beginning of second quarter, before the first half. It's going to be, I think they'll cover the 10.5 points. Purdue, with that offense that you mentioned, Tone, will score something, and despite the good defense that we have. But eventually, throughout the second through the fourth quarter, they will uh, run away with it. So, uh, Before Joe goes, I just want to put things in perspective real quick. When teams are like, they come back after a good year and they're supposed to be good the next year, I think there's two ways. It, uh, well, there's obviously three ways it goes. Obviously, you can suck like State last year. Or you can have the kind of season State had the year they made the playoff and the kind of year that Florida State had when they made the playoff. And that's the type of season where, like, you're favored in most of the games. You go out and win tough ones. Like, you beat Ohio State on the road. But, like, you're struggling in every game. Like, Jameis Winston was constantly bringing them back throughout that season. And it's like the hype monster is almost too big for the reality. So, or another way you can have it is you can come out and you can just dominate teams. I think that Michigan... They're not falling into the Michigan State, Florida State pattern. What happened is they had a tough game the first week. They got all hyped up for it. They thought they were going to kill Cincinnati. They didn't. They handled business. And like I keep saying, Air Force, you're not going to blow a guy, team like them out. I think Michigan's just fine. You know, And I think that the only reason why people want it to be close is honestly probably building the hype so you watch it on Fox since Fox paid all that money to the Big Ten. Yeah, that's the funny thing is you got Michigan at four, Michigan, Michigan State, Notre Dame at eight. Both of those games are on Fox, so... At 4 o'clock, you set your TV to Fox, and you're going to be on there all night. Uh, and get some pizza, too. It's a good day for pizza. Oh, yeah, definitely. Ooh, I'm going to get some pizza now. A little deep dish, maybe thin crust for you, yeah, John. I know you watch your carbs, but for me, I get a nice deep dish. I wish Little Caesar still had the deep dish where they put cheese in the crust. That's the best pizza ever invented. Oh, my God. Yeah, but they got oh, that man. $6 that hot and ready now with all that extra cheese. That's All right, awesome. so we're, we're going to distract if Frank's getting mad at us from the bathroom. Joe, what are you doing out there? Here, here's what I will say. Uh, Michigan, yeah, they're, they're going to be fine, man. I mean, I being a Notre Dame fan, I Michigan know what it looks like to play an right. academy team. 
I, I know what it looks like to play an academy team. It's like you, you're, if you're if you're having a good year, and then you go play an academy team where they they do the chop blocking and and all the crazy uh, triple option stuff. It's just it's just so like from another planet almost. And so they're gonna have like a, a, a kind of a goofy week. But if you come away with a W, a W is a W. And I think I think college football understands that. Um, Michigan needs to figure out the quarterback situation. I I I don't know. I just spate to me is just like the the Achilles heel of that team uh, for 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 doing great things. I th- I think if that team had a quarterback, man, that it'd be a completely completely oh, yeah. different ordeal. The red zone offense would be ten times better, and they they might have blown out Air Force. Um, and, and no one would be even saying anything about some academy teams. But but Spade is destroying that team right now. Uh, if they if they lose any games this year, it's going to be completely one hundred percent his fault. But Michigan goes for two. Uh, probably wins big, and uh, and like you guys said, the running game is what's going to lead the way for the offense. It's going to set up some easy passes. Uh, hopefully, that a high school sophomore can make, uh, you know, because that's what Spate needs. And then a uh, and then the defense. I mean, they're, they're short jam. A, a Harbaugh, a Harbaugh defense uh, will find a way to suffocate Purdue. I, I think Purdue, they 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 have put up points, but. I mean, they put up points against Louisville's defense, which is uh, terrible. Oh, yeah. We, then, we saw what Clemson did to that last week. Yeah, and then they play, oh, like, Ohio yeah. and Mizzou, who both Give are not butt. very good. So, they, you know, they, they haven't really played anyone. I mean, they, they, they weren't going to win a shootout against Louisville. But, um, yeah, I, th- I think Purdue's, Purdue's going to get – they'll come out strong. They're at home. But Michigan, they'll, they'll – They'll have the other three quarters of the game uh, in their hands. So, so. as I suspected, uh, in consensus, we're all in consensus, slowly but surely Michigan pounds them out and covers. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Trivia question of the day. Yeah. At Purdue University, they have the two largest of these in the world. No, the largest of this in the world. Do you know the answer to that question? Bass drum. Tits? Yes. A no. boiler maker. Uh, it was bass drum. I was going to say the biggest Greek system, but that's actually Penn State. Purdue does have a huge Greek system. One of the fastest on a golf course. Great university, by the way. So let me set this up on a tee. Okay, we're all in consensus on that. Let me set this up on a tee because, again, like the Packers segment, I don't have much to oh, say on this. Before you set that up on the tee, one more thing. The one thing that I will say, and I always Better this is good, a personal Gerard. thing, the red zone failures is a huge predictor for me for a lack of ability to get it done against the better teams. And if I was a Michigan Fan, that's the only thing I'd be concerned about. State has some problems with it. The Packers struggled a couple years ago. I remember going all the way back to my senior year in high school. The Trent Trojans couldn't get it done in the red zone. And it just, when you get stifled in the red zone, that's the hardest place to score. What you do between the 20s really doesn't matter. They need to get that rock, and they can write the boat today. We'll talk more about it next week. Did you just call it the Trenton Trojans on the air? Yeah. Okay. Well, all right. So let me. Noel Wellman, number three. So the wind just blew. That's Gerard. Let me put the ball back on the tee. So <laughs> tonight at 8 o'clock. This is a very fun game for this show especially, but it's a fun game in general. We got Joe's Notre Dame fighting Irish against Gerard's... Fighting tool sheds. Spartans. And uh, it's going down, man. Two teams with... I mean, we can all just agree. Two teams with a lot of questions, not only from last season's disappointments, but even just going into this season. Um, I mean, State has you know been undefeated thus far. Notre Dame had a close... Close call against Georgia, a one-point loss. Brian Kelly under under questioned again, going off on the media, um, showing some character Good. flaws along with, along with along with his team that he has. But um, we'll we'll talk about that in a little bit. Screw but, the media. So so they're going at it. It's now eight o'clock, 
it's not necessarily a national game where you know it's always going to get hype. Michigan State versus Notre Dame, but it's not going to say per se. Be it a means play- more here than it does. It means more play. on this show than it does for the playoff and in this contention. region of the country. And for our purposes, I think this is a pretty big deal. So I'm going to let you guys just have it out. Gerard told me pre-show. This is just a little bit of a foreshadow. Oh, don't drop. To- no, no. Me. I'm just going to give a little little hint in my like, my tee off. But Gerard said, Joe, this is, a, this is a paraphrase. I take it easy on Joe a lot because I feel bad. But today, I'm not. I've been thinking about this all week. So that's just a little setup. I'm going to let you guys have it out. Tony's going to have his chime. Um, they're going down 8 o'clock. I don't know who's favored, but uh, they're going. So you guys just go ahead and duke it out because uh, Gerard's not holding back today. All right. Notre Dame is favored by three, actually, Frank. Also, another kind of big thing with this matchup is these teams won't play each other again until 2026. Good. So Ooh. you got bragging rights for the next nine years if you win tonight, what boys. If they go, what if they go to the national title? Trophy. What if they go to the national championship? Oh, Frank outsmarts Tony. Hmm? Smarty pants. <laughs> Let the guys who actually care go at it. I don't think Notre Dame <laughs> will make it to the national champ. Will make it to the playoffs in the next nine years due to the fact that they are not part of an actual conference. That's well, my take on that. But now I'm going to let Jerry and Joe duke well, it out. That's the next time Tony's going to get laid. Don't matter. <laughs> Uh, 2026. Yeah, no, next um, time Tony gets if conferences. Laid. If conferences mattered, Ohio State wouldn't have been in the playoff last year. Oh, point. You guys want to just. Ring the bell. Ring the bell. They, ding, ju- ding. No, I'm going to just start by saying that, like, uh, to clarify what Frank said, I don't feel bad for Joe. It's just most Notre Dame fans that's are, what you like, said. snobby assholes about that realist that brought the program. Joey sometimes, he's not as much as the Notre Dame fan he used to be. He used to give me recruiting reports, stuff like that. But when it comes to— Are you calling him a Fairweather fan? No, I'm not—Joe's definitely an Irish supporter, but I don't think he lives and dies with the Irish like he used to back in the day. Same way, wow. I almost don't live and die with the Spartans anymore, but, you know— Alma mater, one wow. law of red cedar. But um, no, like, I just, the day Dude, that I play, only one, here. 364 days a year, Joe's my best friend. He likes Notre Dame. I kind of like their helmets. They're all right. One day a year, I remember the vehement hatred, the absolute despise I have for these no good, lousy, fucking horribly coached bunch of scrubs. I remember my freshman year. When I couldn't drink because of my MIP, so I used to have to get loaded in the morning so I could breathalyze clean the next morning. Just fucking yell at meat pants at Charlie Weiss for about seven, 17 hours. Sounds like Notre Dame's players. Fucking Jimmy Clausen. Even back in the day when they were good, they were a disappointment in bowl games. And I, I don't like them. I don't like Notre Dame, and I want to win this game really bad. And we're talking about the non-emotional aspect. I think it's a really fun game because neither one of these teams has a shot at winning the whole thing this year. So it's just a good game between two teams with nothing to lose and a great atmosphere. Spartan Stadium, East Lansing, Beast Lansing, the one, the only, green and white. Okay, round one for Gerard. Here comes Joe. (laughs) Well, uh, it's going to be an interesting game, man, because Notre Dame comes in with a pretty heavy run game. Uh, the quarterback's not the greatest passer, and so it's going to be interesting to see what they did this week to kind of get ready for State's defense. State's probably got uh, the, one of the better defenses they'll face this year. They, they're always pretty sound uh, fundamentally, fundamentally and technically. So y- you got to get ready for a team like that, and you got to have a scheme ready to go. New offensive coordinator out at Notre Dame. Um, other than the Georgia game, they've absolutely lit it up. So we'll, we'll see what happens on the road. Uh, and then the defense for Notre Dame is much, much improved than last year. Last year, even teams that had had no reason even scoring more than 20 points put up like 30 on us. 
and I think the defense is is uh has come a long way since last year. So I think Notre Dame uh is gonna be able to keep it a lot lot tighter. Uh I, I don't think they're uh is is wishy washy and uh and mentally after up as they were last year either. Uh, I think I think they've done a lot of good things over the summer. The Georgia game was disappointing, but I think they pull one out in uh East Lansing uh by seven. Ooh, Joe's picking them to cover wow. the spread. Picking early. Wow. I still have more stuff to say about your fucking bunch no, of that was, I was going to say, I mean, come on. Yeah, they lost to Georgia, the one real team they played. Other than that, they beat up on the Little Sisters of the Poor in St. Mary's School for the Blind. Yeah, not to mention their motto sucks. Play like a champion today. Shouldn't you play like a champion every day? When I wake up, baby... I'm a champion. You know what I'm saying? Another day. Another dollar. Okay. Not a big, hairy American well, Are we, we going to talk football or are we just going to make fun of like a bunch okay. of... Hey, well, hold well, on. Hold on. Joe, uh, though you're, random shit. Though Joe's response was very calculated and articulate and very educated, I thought it lacked a little bit of emotion, but we'll get there. It's going to escalate because I'm an instigator. Now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get this thing going. But I do want to... He wanna, finally uh, admits it. But I do want to... Well, wanna, Joe already instigated me. No, I can no, get into no, the stats no, of the whole we're thing. We're going to go. No, listen. He outpointed you on that round. But let me just say this. Let me just say this. I want to give Joe a little bit of another point because his team is going into East Lansing in their first night game. Okay, and you're talking about home field advantage. That's all out the window when they go into East Lansing tonight. It's not the first night game. What are you talking about? Under the lights. I thought it was the first under the lights. No, game. no, no. Michigan State has had night games before. They just had to bring in lights. We actually have permanent well, lights on the stadium Okay, now. so now they have permanent lights. So that makes my point even better. So they got permanent lights. So now all these fans are going to be – they're already getting tanked right now. They're going to be sleeping by the time kickoff happens. There's going to be no home field advantage. Do you for remember state. what happened last time? They're all going to be passed out or in the hospital or have MIPs like you guys have. You had. Forgot little no name's going to come in there and stop them. Guaranteed. Yeah, that's the dumbest Frank. thing I've heard today. You remember, last time they're in East Lansing under lights. Number one, I made out with another Dame fan that day. Fast fact. Number two. Yeah, you should have done more than that. Charlie Gant caught a touchdown pass from Aaron Bates on a fake field goal on a play called Little Giants, and my Mark D'Antonio had a heart attack that night. And I woke up with a phone call from the beloved Andrew Jacina, and he said, your coach is dead, bro. Anywho, State's going to handle just fine. Do you want to t- I, well, okay, I'll make my point clearer the then. I'll make my the point clear that their home crowd is gone. They're already passed out. I didn't want to say anything no, about No, Frank, here's what they're going to do. They probably started early this morning drinking. About three o'clock. Don't don't explain how my university is going to drink to me on fucking my radio show, Tony. What you, are they going to take a nap? You take a nap. Have you heard? Dude. You wake up. You have one beer. And you're back to being super drunk and no. getting ready to fucking. It's party. 2017. Everybody has ADHD. People are fucking chewing Adderall up there right now, like they're Skittles. People be hype at game time. It's about 10:30. It's the fourth quarter. You got to worry about, brother. 8 a.m. We ready? All right, we're gonna be fine. Number two, you want to talk about? You're ready. You want to get to the statistics of the whole thing? I didn't want to say that Notre Dame had a bad passing attack because I think that. That's what they were going for this year. It was more of just like a pound the ball first. But if Joe's going to throw out that they have a bad passing tag, Josiah Scott's actually leading all FBS programs with a 0.0 quarterback rating when thrown to. There's people he's tied with. But he's actually doing pretty good out there. So if you're going to say Notre Dame can't pass the ball very well, you can make him one-dimensional and get him in the run. That really helps because State has some undersized linebackers, but they're fast and they can tackle well. So then when you do have to force them to put it up, hopefully you can get a pick. So we're going to talk about the whole stats. And then Brian Lewerke, obviously, white lightning. He's doing super good. He actually has some wheels, so we have a dynamic threat there. Running the ball, LJ Scott kind of is coming into his own. He had a nice one against Western on a fourth and one. But overall, Notre Dame's run defense was suspect against Georgia. They were breaking it down this morning. I'm not going to get into the exact whole yardage of it because the stats are a little bit skewed because of the two earlier games in the season. but Or the 
flip flop. However, if you're gonna let LJ Scott get going, you're gonna run into some real problems because in the work he's gonna be able to hurt you through the air. Short, quick timing passes. Their offensive line is another strength. Notre Dame is a good, solid football team, and they're honestly probably pretty equal skill wise. If you want to know the whole crux of it, but I just hate them. That's why I was getting emotional. And don't ever tell me what we're going to be doing in East Lansing. Yeah, kids are a little bit softer nowadays than we were up there. We were trucking 5 o'clock in the parking lot at fucking 7.30 when those shirts on to show how manly we were. They're probably up there drinking high tea and apple teenies. That's fine. They all probably right? all have trigger warnings for fault. what's going on today. The, the, biggest, the biggest difference in this game is who, who can control the turnovers. I know uh, LJ Scott's got a couple fumbles. Um, that actually is a good I point, think, Joe. I think lewerke has got an interception. Uh, Wimbush has two interceptions. So it's it's which offense can can keep it together uh, the, the the most here. So if, yeah. if you control the turnovers, uh, I, I mean I, I get it. Obviously that's that's the goal for every game. You never want to turn the ball over, but um, if, they, if they can if they can regulate the turnovers, either team, I think the team that wins that battle uh, will have a slight edge in the game because in, in a game like this, momentum shifts are, are huge, 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 and. Uh, and, and that, that could mean a lot going into the fourth quarter. For State to win, they do need to take – because they haven't given up a defensive touchdown yet this season, but they've given up a kick return. <sighs> I think it's all safe uh, to say they scoop, will tonight. Yeah, they probably will, but they've given they up a scooping score. And the last one against Western was an end around to Hunter Ryzen, and they had no business calling the play when they did. So they need to not shoot themselves in the foot, and then to score a touchdown and give up a kick return right afterwards is also pathetic. So State needs to have that stuff cleaned up, but they had two weeks off, so that's good. They did go down in Houston, so they might come out a little flat. And I don't think Lewerke is going to crack off another 64-yarder, but he he's the kind of quarterback I like have. I called him last season until he broke his leg. He's the kind of quarterback I like having him. He's not afraid to throw it deep. And if he, he throws a pick on a deep ball on a third and 13, that's fine. If, as long as the guy goes down, there's no return on it. I'm okay with that. But if he throws like an out that gets a pick six or something like that, it's going to be horrible for the team. Obviously, I'm sticking with the Spartans. I got them getting the – it's going to be a – they're going to pound, green, pound. Bring back the old fucking pound, green, pound. Blue ham or blue nail green hammer, baby. It's gonna be like low scoring game. We got twenty one ten Spartans. Actually, they always kind of blow it towards the end. Twenty one seventeen Spartans. They'll make it close. It'll be an onsider. But I hate Notre Dame today. Tomorrow <laughs> we'll be fine, Joe. But I fucking can't stand. Also because you know what happened down in South Bend last time. Well, the two times ago when that fucking horrible PI call that changed the whole outcome of the game. I am definitely looking forward to the group chat tonight. <laughs> I just I don't think State's that good of a team. I think State's a fun team to watch this year. I think they got some things going for them. They're a young team. They got some youth. They got some bad players off the team. They got a, a couple things rolling for them that are good, like a, a redshirt sophomore quarterback in the worky. But that's what this is a fun game because neither one of those teams have that much of a future. You know what I mean? Like pretty soon it gets tough. Pretty soon you got to go to Ann Arbor. You know this is fun. This is spring break when you're a senior in high school when life doesn't matter. We aren't going to have bills. A car note, that kind of thing. This is a fun game. For me to watch, because even they lose, okay, I'll, I'll fuck. Sun comes up tomorrow, but if they win, I hate Notre Dame. <laughs> okay, I I just want to say before Joe goes, I just want to say that I what fucking attitude. What, I, what I said before was just to just kind of spark the spark the flame up. In reality, I want to say this again. This is more of a general perspective, but I'm going to side with Joe on this one in the Fighting Irish. I think that with um, the two teams, if you compare them. Uh, the Fighting Irish and their recruiting, their national recognition, Chip Kelly, their their Brian due, Kelly. Their ba- Brian, Brian I'm, Kelly. So, I'm sorry, Brian Kelly. Their due diligence um, to to be good, the the pressure they have to be good, the the talent that they bring in is superior to the Michigan State University, and 
I just think that if you just go pound for pound, team for team, uh, so far, I think that Notre Dame is just going to just be a better team overall. I think they're going to win by, by 10 points. I think it'll be a pretty higher scoring game than Gerard predicted. I think it's going to be the Irish logging 31 and Michigan State getting 17, and I think Notre Dame takes it down. Yeah, I, I'm i going to go against uh, Joe and Frank here. I think Michigan State's going to win it. I think it'll be close, but I think Michigan State will pull off. Even if I honestly thought Notre Dame was going to win, I had mine on Notre Dame. I would never pick them and have that. Okay, I'm just being real. I I had to cover my ground because I just made a ridiculous proclamation at the beginning of the second. You know, I totally understand with what you're saying. Okay, Joe, best for last. Yeah, I think uh, one thing Notre Dame has to hang their hat off is the rushing game, and they got it. They got to use that. They got to use it to their strength. I know it's it wasn't against the greatest competition uh, in the world. But when you run for 422 yards and then and then uh, the third game of the year, they ran for over 500 yards. Uh, that's a lot of rushing yards. And uh, they have 100% red zone efficiency. And so I'm going to go with that and say Notre Dame takes it. Uh, same score you gave me, Frank, 31-17. Yeah, the one thing that I, I would like to point, if we're going to get the stats, and the crappy thing is Michigan State hasn't played anybody that has the size or skill players that uh, Notre Dame has. But coming in, Western had this vaunted – uh, rushing attack that everybody was so scared of because they tore up USC and that didn't do anything for them. They were forced to pass early and often and I'm hoping that's what they can do with Notre Dame but obviously the skill level of player is totally different. So I mean in terms of long season perspective it will show a lot of, if Michigan State can come out there and stop the run against Notre Dame they might have some something going but I thought the same thing last season when Notre Dame and Michigan State played. I thought it was a huge thing for fucking State to go out there and get that win then it turned out Notre Dame sucked last year and Michigan State sucked even worse. So but We'll see. I mean, it's yeah. going to be a fun game. Well, fun fact, the last time uh, Michigan State lost to Notre Dame, they went to the Rose Bowl that year. Yeah, but they've only played one since then, Tony. It's not a fun fact. It's a <laughs> stupid fact. But um, is that it on the topic? I think I think that's the verdict. As we, of 7.59 tonight, I'm not well, friends with you, Joe, for three hours. So have fun well, with your freedom. I don't want to... I, I don't want to steal any Frank's thunder here, but speaking of a face-off between me and Gerard... There's some face-off controversies in NHL right now. Oh, okay, yeah. Why don't you? I was gonna, I was gonna kick us, uh, I was gonna kick us on a break. We can just dive right into that. We, uh, you explain it because uh, you're the one that brought it up. Why don't you just lead this one off, Joe? Okay, so we we're kind of talking about it before the show a little bit, and so there, there's a couple new rules in the NHL this year that teams are a little uh, up in arms about the, the new slashing regulations. Uh, slashing is going to be really cracked down on this year, as if it wasn't before. Um, but we won't really get into that. And then uh, the face-offs. So the face-offs are a huge issue. A lot of the veteran centers uh, and, and all-star centers in the league are, are pretty much up in arms about it to include GMs and coaches because really the rule is, is kind of confusing and at times doesn't really make much sense and, and it's driving certain coaches and teams crazy. So, so what happens is when you, when you have the face-off dot uh, in the zone, you have, you have a set of lines that look like crosshairs, like you're looking through a rifle. And uh, you got to have your feet positioned uh, on the uh, ju- just outside of those lines. Uh, so if you're to look at a face-off circle, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, the feet have to be square, and they can't they can't cross those lines, um, you know, into the face-off circle when you're taking the face-off, or else it could result in a minor penalty. So you could go from getting kicked out of the face-off circle the last is year. It, uh, is it automatically a minor penalty, or is it the ref's discretion? It's automatically a minor penalty. Two minutes in the box, somebody's got to go. All right. So, 
Uh, and and if, so if you can imagine from a year ago where the guy just got kicked out of the circle and you probably just had a disadvantage by having a winger in there, you know, taking the draw. Uh, now you're at a true disadvantage because the puck comes back into your zone and, uh, and, you, and you're on the penalty kill, right? You could go from having 10 seconds on the clock, huge draw in, in the other team's zone to having the puck come all the way back to your end, guy in the box. Uh, and, and right now a lot of, you know, a lot of the guys like, you know, Zetterberg and Marchand uh, and Bergeron from Boston, the three notable guys have, uh, have, have come out and have been pretty blunt that saying that the rule's a joke. And that uh, it takes away from the art of taking faceoffs. And Frank, you're talking about how teams in the past, I mean, you, you put guys that aren't necessarily the greatest hockey players, but they're just so good at faceoffs. You put them in there at crucial times in the game to make sure you win the draw and, and make something happen. Right. You know what, Joe? I, I can only go by what you're telling me because you, you're the one that told me about this in the show, but you pretty much spelled out the rule. And if what you're saying is true, and of course I, your word is gospel, uh, I think it's honestly quite ridiculous um we both come from a background of the sport and uh the face-off first of all it's just a huge part of the game it, it can to the blind eye or the common fan can go underrated but i mean you win a face-off especially in the offensive zone or the defensive anywhere you win a face-off it it you know with the skill level at the at the pro level and uh and all that's at stake it comes down to it, it leads to puck possession and and everything it just controls the, the outcome yeah, of the, the momentum of the game it's a huge thing it's a huge thing to say the least so to take away that and to have you square up i mean this is just coming off the top of my head but it's like putting it's like putting conor mcgregor in there against floyd in a boxing match you take away take away kicking you take away wrestling you take away elbows you just take away you just kind of neutralize something so you put two guys in there squared off with limited rules and you take away that art form like you mentioned and we both mentioned um, of the faceoff, so now you're in the offensive zone. Say you're, um, you know, you know, you're up against it late in the third period. You got to win that faceoff, or else, you know, the, say the net's empty. You know, just giving an example. Say the net's empty on your side. You got 60 seconds to score. You lose that faceoff because you can't use your skills and your art form to win that faceoff. They win the faceoff, and then you just dump it down the ice. They score an empty net goal, and the game's over. It just changes the outcome of so many things. That's just one example of many and an infinite almost amount of outcomes that could happen from that. And I know it sounds kind of petty, but honestly, if you really think about it and you know the game, taking away the art of the faceoff, especially when it comes to so many different things. I mean, I can name – I mean, they just now finally in the recent years changed um, the offsides rule, which can um, you know take up or, or can, um, preserve time. You know, the icing rule, you know, the touch icing rule. There's so many other things you can attack to save time. And and I think the faceoff just isn't one of them, man. Like, I, I just don't I don't get the logic. I don't I don't agree with it. And yeah. I don't understand. You know? I, normally when it comes to the hockey rules and stuff like this, I normally would just have a neutral opinion because I, I didn't play hockey like you guys do. I result to my experts. But in terms of this one, I actually do have a couple of likes and a couple of dislikes and one big dislike. So the one thing I like, Joe, was you said the defenseman has to remain still around the circle, right? Oh yeah, that, that's another thing. Okay. Is I think the other the other players, the other four players, uh, need to be set, and then you you, you approach the dot, take the face off. Yeah, it's, and uh, uh, I hate how you just see the players from the outside slide in. That should be a rule. If you cross that line, you slide in. You just you just being an asshole, dude. You're literally just being that guy that if you're playing flag football, does the hold when you're gone on a streak. You're just being a dick. For no reason, like you, sh- that should be a rule that you just stay outside of there. That's well, what, what are you talking about? Like when defensemen creep up, or when the two the two wingers are battling for position? When they're like battling each other, and they both slide into the circle before the puck's dropped instead of staying outside the circle. I don't. Well, I don't okay, like so that. that I mean, that's just 
that's just them battling for position, man. They don't really mean to slide forward. It's just, that's anticipating the drop. Sometimes that's they're anticipating like, the puck on the drop. hips of the yeah. guy taking the puck drop. I don't like it. I see where your I head's at, Troy, but when that happens, first of all, that's totally different than the rule, but I understand where your head's at. When that happens, though, you know, that ref, you know, they do the best they can, but they're not robots. When the puck is dropped, is it's just like kind of like linemen in football. It's a, it's an anticipation of the outside guys. So when they do that, you'll see them creep up, and then the ref kind of will not pump fake on purpose, but it'll be almost like a pump. I mean, then they'll back up. Year, That's just part of the game. Years ago, it wasn't as bad. Last year, what are they going to call offsides sli- on a faceoff? Like, like I mean, just the like, way they were sliding in there, I, I was honestly, I didn't like it. As okay. just a fan of the game, the way they would slide in there, I didn't like it. But I do think that I don't the, know why the actual I mean, art of the faceoff should have been preserved. I think it's horrible because like you should be able to put one foot forward or not square. Like as long as you aren't in the circle, who gives a shit? You're dropping it, a puck. It could come to your backhand you know or I mean? twisting into your forehand yeah, like, or li- stick checking them up. Draper made position, a career. We've won weight. Stanley. I could make a case given enough time and the right clips that Dra- we won a Stanley Cup because of Draper. You know what I mean? And the the reason the uh, one dislike is this is a cheap way to speed up the game because because all the faceoffs when they have to kick people in and out and stuff they want to get rid of that to make the game faster like Frank said that's cheap the one main dislike I have with this is I think the underlying thing here is they want more power plays so we'll have more scoring so the games will be higher scoring because people wait for the soccer for games for any two one first of all it's because we only watch World Cup here in the United States if you watch some like actual EPL or BPL, whatever you want to call it, La Liga games, or you watch Ligue 1 in France, those games, they're way more of another, way more exciting. When you watch the World Cup, you're looking at like the 11 best players from a country. Of course, you're not going to score a lot. So what they're trying to do in these hockey games is stimulate scoring artificially through creating penalties. But I think one can, and Joe can back me up on this. And that's what I hate. Joe can back me up on this. I think that one can make the argument that they've already started calling more penalties than they have before, though. I don't, I don't see oh, the need. I don't see the yeah. need to. We've no, already no. talked about on this show. Hold, let me, let me go. You, you went off there. I agree with you. Is all I'm saying. Okay, what I'm saying is you just coming at me like you were arguing. No, I'm not I'm coming at you. I'm just talking. I'm just, I'm passionate about this, and I'm glad Joe brought it up because I didn't know about the rule. But I'm just saying. If you want to talk about penalties and trying to up the, up the scoring and the power plays, we've already seen and talked about in the show not only fighting and violence in the game but and concussion protocol and all that stuff, but we've already seen a number of penalties being called, man. Like a lot of these uh, hits up high, leading, uh, leading with your, you know, a couple steps, and all kinds of uh, rules have been enhanced to where power plays have become more prevalent. I get it in theory that you, you want more things, but I just, again, don't think that taking away the art of the faceoff is the answer to getting more power plays or more scoring. I think you could do that in other ways. I agree with you. No, I, I, I agree because they, they already like, – and when I, I kind of mentioned this last year, but I'll mention it now because you mentioned penalties. So any, if, you, if you hit a guy with your stick anywhere above the bottom glove on the stick, so like you, you can go after the puck, right, any, anywhere below that, that bottom hand. But if you, if you slash a guy, like if you go for it and you hit him in between the gloves on the stick or, or higher than that, penalty. Like I mean, it, it. I mean, it's literally just kind of softening the game there. I think that that's kind of a soft rule too. Or even and, to, to that point, real quick, Joe. Even to that point, just hand in hand is when instead of doing above the glove, like a typical move to in a defensive way would be to like lift the stick up, like a, a typical Datsukian way to lift the stick up. But now, even if you come forward at the stick or at the puck and you just miss by an inch or two, it becomes a slash, even if it's just on the stick. Yeah. And, and it's really just going to turn into a huge mess because what you have now is a, a game that's gotten so fast. The, the players now are so much faster than they used to be. And, and you have these sticks, these, these carbon sticks that, that shatter all the time when you, when you slash at them and stuff. And, like, and that's an automatic penalty. Uh, 
it, it's getting to the point where you, you put the rest also in a, in a very difficult situation. And, uh, and so it could be a very, very interesting year where certain games are decided and it might not seem like much at a time at the time, you know, like an 82 game year, but the shit adds up. And if, if the refs and in, in the league continues to struggle with that, you know, oh, it's, it's going to decide things. If this is the and case, look how many penalties are going to be called because it, you know yeah. how long it's going to take yeah. to adjust to adjust to, to, that, that? to that point. Yeah. I would just start by saying in college basketball, they adjusted the rules with uh, the no hand checking and stuff just a couple years back and the way you could guard them. And the beginning of both seasons, that, since they've adjusted the rules, they do, they call it pretty tight. But as the season goes on, the teams, and these are college players, adjust really well to how it was called early, and the refs get more lenient late. So towards the end of the season, we're going to see some good hockey. It's just going to be rough for the first 20 games. And that does disappoint me as a viewer, but it will work. It's, I'm, it's a bad rule. I don't agree with it, but it will work itself out. But I don't want to just complain about bad rules here on RSF. I'm about solutions. It's 2017. I got enough people bitching out there. I got a solution. I think you guys would actually all agree with me on this. If you want to loosen up the game a little bit, why don't they just use the Europe or the international size rink? What they use the Olympics. It's only a little bit bigger. The stadiums, I mean, you lose a couple seats, but I think that would give the players more freedom. You wouldn't have slashing because they wouldn't be so jammed in. And then with the more freedom, you can see the speed of the game, which is so fast, really develop. If you want to throw out just hypothetical rules that would make the game more exciting, I could... Like, instead of all these rules, just... No, I'm saying I agree with you. If you want to do that, I would... One that I would just propose, since we're just kind of riffing about it, I would say that... Well, I just want to be solution-based. I know. I I know. I'm just saying one of the things I would propose would be to do what they do in the Olympics also, is in shootouts, let the the best players go more than once in a row. That's another rule. Oh, yeah. I totally agree. If you got the Washington Capitals against the Pittsburgh Penguins, I want to see Crosby, Novechki, and Duke it out. Didn't I don't want to see. Oshie get like seven in a row else. against Rush or something like that? Yeah. Oshie yeah, because then, yeah, then it makes the goalie, times. like if you get three on the goalie, all of a sudden it's like this goalie's getting all frustrated and inferior. That's awesome, dude. I would. That's must-see TV. I would endorse that rule for just throwing those out. Yeah, but and and I mean this this isn't where it's going to end, boys. Uh, next year, <laughs> goaltenders goaltenders are going to start wearing uh, sleeker chest gear, so their their equipment is going to get uh, a little bit smaller. And, and I, I actually I would, can see that. I would say personally, I would say make the net a little bit bigger. Look at goalies now versus goalies back when we had like Mike Vernon, like Mike Vernon yeah, was. Dude. My size. Pecky Rini like, looks like he weighs 300 size. pounds in net, man. He's fucking. Yeah, no. The, the, I mean, the goalie equipment is a little huge. Dude, those things could We're stop all, like a 12 like, gauge slug. Why don't but we like, just throw two pucks out there? It's like <laughs> <Just> what, <laughs> maybe a monkey with a gun. I don't know. <laughs> but it's like what Jerry said was, uh, it's that you know the NHL they want more scoring because they want it to be more exciting, but at the same time, like you're gonna turn viewers off. When they tune in to see a game, and then it's like power play, power play, power play, power play, because the star player, because a lot of times the star players are the guys taking faceoffs, and you're seeing the star players getting sent to the box. Again, yeah, what I'm interested point. to see too is when this whole thing plays out, Joe is like, okay, so let's say this, you know, Jerry mentioned the first 20 games or so where it becomes a tough adjustment period. I mean, if they're really gonna enforce it on every time it happens like diligently i mean what are we going to see a bunch of five on threes and turn to five on fours and then just all these penalties that are occurring we could see like possibly like multiple power plays or switching power plays going on their own odd man play going on i mean it could change we might see goalies holding the puck less oh well yeah not avoiding face-offs at all that would be one thing too that's another yeah that's that's a good point that's a good point but i'm just saying like you could see like 
possibly a chance of not five on five for like a whole period. I'm just, the, the teams are going to evolve to it, but it is going to be rough at the beginning. I don't like the rule, but the teams will evolve and they get around it. They always do, but it's like the NFL. I mean, where does it stop? Is it going to be flag football in 2020? Or is it going to be, what are we going to do with hockey? I'm just making a point. No, the th- I, I do. The, some of the rules, we could get into the rules of the NFL later. I mean, these people in the hockey, they make a little less money, but hockey players don't really deal with concussions that much unless they're getting slammed in the boards. If you just protect, it's easy to protect the head of a hockey player. And if they decide to fight, that's their own choice. But other than that, like unless a puck hits you in the dome, you there's no real reason. In hockey, like, I mean. it's eventually gonna be a thing in all sports. But hockey could get out in front of it right now, just like no slam people's faces in the boards, like slam their bodies. Hockey. My dad has a joke where it's like the Canadians say skating's the wussy part of hockey. Hockey's like the one last great sport we have where it's just fast, intense action for 60 minutes with a couple breaks in the middle. That's why I love hockey. It's what I always loved about it. It's like soccer, but. It's faster because everybody's so close in there. That's why I expand the size of the rink just a little bit so these guys can get around each other. That way they're not taking don't be, these penalties. Don't be getting hockey involved with soccer on this show ever. <laughs> soccer is an amazing game, Frank. Okay, it is a beautiful game. I mean, if we're going to talk about they are both about the same well, kind of ratings. You go know to Europe. Saying? Move to Europe then. <laughs> why don't you move to Germany? Why don't you move to anywhere but here? Because I don't speak the Deutschland. <laughs> No, I mean, no, Deutsch? I, I mean, what are you going to say? I mean, just, I mean, it's, it's I not, just, I understand they have to make rules, but with the slashing, it's like they're trying to protect their hands and they're trying to stop some of the moves. But like, that's the point of them wearing gloves, dude. I don't think that's what the point of it is, is it? It's gotta, I mean, it's got to be to make them actually go over to the puck instead of doing the person stick. But I mean, honestly, this coming from a novice perspective, I've played pickup hockey with Frank and I've played. And one time we played with a bunch of kids that actually used to play hockey up on a tennis court. And like, that's the move. Anybody can like try to get around someone with a puck, but being able to lift the stick and take the puck. I can't do that. Frank can do it to me pretty much every time. And that's when I realized the skill level difference. If he can do that to me, that's a huge thing. And if they're getting rid of that, it, I think it hurts the game because it's a learned skill. It's hard. It takes talent. It makes the game more exciting. The, the big the big thing is uh, at Thank least you. so far uh, exhibition season uh, small sample size uh, I think I think the Wings and the Penguins had about six power plays apiece in that game um, and then I think Chicago there was around eleven or twelve total power plays in that game too so you are looking at an increased amount it's not it's not as dramatic as you know not you know no five on five in a single period but uh i totally forgot I mean, about the fact it, that there's already been preseason games that's my fault i totally it, forgot it, i mean it, it it has led to more i mean i, I can't you know it i think it's, it's it's pretty rare to see a team get like six power plays in a game you know what i mean it's only, it's only like three or two or, or four maybe but like six power plays in one game man that, that's a lot yeah you missed 12 minutes that's fucking 12 divided by 60, that's 6 divided by 30. So that's, that's a fifth a, of the game. Fifth, that's 20%. Let me do math how yeah. I do math, Tony. Break down to smaller. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, it's an interesting point, and we'll see how it goes, and we'll get into Red Wings, Red Wings hockey as the season goes. I know we made fun of it in the off season, but the reality is it's already almost October, so the season's coming, so the Red Wings are a big part of this show. Yeah, I it's think what the, the show, season kicks it's what the show was based on. Yeah, it's what the show was based on. We got a new arena. There's a lot to talk about, and, and I did and... see some clips. They're, they look good. Te- technically, the first game at LCA tonight. Tremendous. We're gonna get beat six to one and give up another hat trick. <laughs> you think I ain't paying so, attention to the preseason, boyo? So one one note one note about that six to one loss. I think there's like spin two it in regulars. a positive way, bro. Spin it in a positive way. You get your ass okay. kicked. 
Dude. What the fuck? Chicago, Chicago had like four minor leaguers, and the rest, of, the rest of them were regulars. And then the Red Wings had like Sheehan and Erickson, and the, and like I, I barely knew who any of those guys were. They're all a bunch of PTO guys, man. Like if we didn't lose six to one, I'd say Chicago was going to end up in last place in the league. Well, we'll see how it all goes, man. I mean, I. I love you, Joe. I don't even know who he had in net. I don't even know who he had in net. I never heard of him before. I don't really pay attention to that game, huh? If you've never heard of him, it must be bad because you're the niece of, of Detroit Red Wings farm camps. So, but Rasmussen scored, so that was cool. I don't like the. I saw Nyquist had two goals, two goals in one of the games. That's good. The fucking joke. Yeah, yeah. But we'll talk. I mean, like I said, this show was like the whole idea of RSF. Just to back it up, was based. Uh, it was almost called Truth on Ice. So it's a hockey. We're all hockey fans here, man. We, the Red Wings are having a tough go of it, but hopefully it's a new rebirth, new arena. Rest in peace, Illich, and uh, we'll talk about them, man. It's been a great show. We got we covered uh, NFL. We covered college. It's going to be a great Saturday. It's going to be an even better Sunday if, if you're a Lions fan. I can't wait to oh, see Oh, no, it's it a great to... weekend. Purdue, Michigan, because you actually get some Big Ten action. We got that. Like I said, it's going to be a fun game out there on Fox. Even this low score, that's going to be great. Like, I just, just can't wait to tune in. Honestly, see next week's show or and be then, a part uh, of next week's show. Atlanta Lions, an interesting matchup. Luckily for us, the Packers and Bengals play at 425, so you can watch that game too. And then I don't know who's on Sunday Night Football, but Monday night we got Arizona Dallas, so it's a good weekend all around. Oh, yeah, definitely. Well, with that being said, Tony, pay the bills. Tell them where they can find so us. I want to get is laid all the time from hot chicks. <laughs> I want to. Um, I want to just give a quick, quick little statement before Tony pays the bills. We need to get our uh, our fan base riled up, man. This is a big weekend, not only, but it's a, it's a huge year. It's a new season. We're on episode four of season two. Let's get the let's get the followers on all social media up. Let's get everybody riled up. We know you're out there. Let's just start let's start clicking things, okay? So pay the bills, Tony. Tell them where they can find us at. All right. Yep. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash revolutionary sports front, twitter.com slash RSF podcast, just revolutionary sports front on Instagram. We have that YouTube page as well, which is revolutionary sports front, which we keep saying we need are going to do something with. Okay, but stop never saying do. with some emphasis, stop new content that. coming soon. It's got to be internet worthy. Tony's going to be there forever. Yeah, show some fucking conviction, Tony. All right. Yeah. RevolutionarySportsFront.com is a website. The show is available for download on iTunes and Stitcher. You can also leave us reviews there. If you want to send a comment into the show, message us through Facebook or Twitter, or send an email directly to RevolutionarySportsFront at gmail.com. One quick note. Earlier we talked about uh, Jared Davis. He is officially been ruled out for the game now with the concussion. That sucks. Yep. And... So that's all we got there. Thank you for downloading, listening, and subscribing. And thank you for being a part of the sports revolution. Adios, amigo! All right, that's it.